You're listening to The Collective Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website, thecollectivechurch.ca.za. A couple of weeks back, um, I spoke on walking with the Holy Spirit, part one, and it was called Our Position. For those of you who were there that Sunday, I wanted to clarify why we get to walk with the Holy Spirit and how precious that inheritance is because of the finished work of the cross. So today I'm going to speak about part two, friendship with the Holy Spirit. I want to quickly recap. When I spoke about um, our position, I put three chairs out here. The first one was a chair that indicated our unsaved or, or kind of lost state. Okay, that's one. And then there were two here, chair two and chair three. Both of those chairs symbolized um, being born again, our position, having been born again through the blood of Jesus into being sons and daughters of God, co-crucified with Christ, co-resurrected to be seated in heavenly places with him. But in the one chair, and Romans 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 speaks so clearly about this. In the one chair, um, Although we are saved and our position is in Christ, same as in the third chair, we choose to operate in the power of self. And that happens in two ways. The first way is like the younger brother in the parable, where we do whatever we want. On our terms, we live life according to what we desire, what is on our agenda, self. And sometimes that's bad habits and sometimes it's even um, sinful behavior or patterns. And then there's also another, with the same root, there's another manifestation of self, and that's doing everything perfectly right and doing everything in our own strength to dot every I and cross every T. And that's also actually relying and being absorbed with self. The gospel is actually, Tim Keller says, something different altogether. And chair three, and I was speaking about, I tend to be, I'm like the older brother. Those, the, the two brothers are the same root in that parable as Rob has been unpacking over the last weeks. And we manifest in different ways. I tend to be the older brother. I said to you, I'm like Fixit Felix. I want to get everything perfectly right. I love perfection. And that is not a good thing because I am learning that that is all self-effort. And actually the Lord loves excellence out of complete dependence on him. And so chair three represents our inheritance as sons and daughters of the Father, and that is to live in complete dependence and friendship with the Holy Spirit. Okay? The significance of Jesus' death and resurrection is profoundly personal and powerful. Jesus didn't just die for you, but as you. You are co-buried, you are co-resurrected, As he rose from the grave in resurrection, you rose with him and are seated in unity with him in heavenly places. That is how personal the gospel message is. And I'm going to read quickly from Romans 6, verse 4, from the Passion Translation. Sharing in his death by our baptism means that we were co-buried and entombed with him so that when the Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. We have been co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of new life. In chair two, 
We are reborn and created as new creation realities in Christ. And yet we walk in the old man, in the old ways. Chair three in this positioning that I was describing is actually where we're empowered by the spirit to walk in the freshness of new life. For since we are permanently grafted into him to experience a death like his, then we are permanently grafted into him to experience a resurrection like his and the new life that it imparts. So today I want to look at the freshness of that new life, the new life that's been imparted to us that is empowered by grace and empowered by walking with the Holy Spirit. It is our glorious and beautiful inheritance. We are empowered to walk in the freshness of new life. Romans 8 verse 5 says, The power of our new life is not the works of our weak humanity, but the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit released in us. Melissa Halsa says, The Holy Spirit is the crescendo of the cross. It's the climax that we're not alone, but that we get to walk out this human life empowered by the Spirit of Jesus. He makes real to us what Jesus won for us in the finished work of the cross. Um, the Halsas have just released a new album, and the little tagline is, All my weakness is met by your grace, the empowering presence to change. Everything I am is held in the grace of God. I remember when I was growing up, they used to define grace as God's riches at Christ's expense. Isn't that beautiful that I'm held in everything, every richness, every blessing in heaven, the grace of God through Christ's blood on the cross. And I have the presence of God, the empowering presence to change, to grow, to mature and to walk out this life. So I'm going to speak about friendship with the Holy Spirit. That was a, a brief recap. And I have to say, I believe that the Holy Spirit is the joy to actually love and enjoy life. He's with us and he gives us lenses to see the goodness and the beauty. He gives us lenses to see the eternal. I love my life. I love every aspect of the life I'm living, and it's because of the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I want to unpack that a little bit this afternoon. So John 14 is the most beautiful, beautiful unpacking of what the Holy Spirit is to be from us. And it's a teaching that Jesus gave to his disciples. He said, and I will ask the Father, he will give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be a friend just like me, and he will never leave you. Just like me is so important. In this one verse here, Jesus depicts the role of the Holy Spirit, that he comes as one just like Jesus. Jesus was the one who came and died on the cross that we can receive the gift of salvation through his shed blood. The Holy Spirit is the same spirit of Jesus, our Savior, working in us to release us from the power of the curse and sin and all the things that we face in our life. It's actually to, he is there to make real salvation in our everyday life. So he is of the same spirit making real what Jesus did on the cross. He's come to protect, defend, and save us from ourselves and our enemies and keep us whole and healed. He is just beautiful. 
He is counselor. He is comforter. He is encourager. He is helper. He is teacher. He is friend. And it's just so wonderful to begin to get to know him in all of those capacities, the person of the Holy Spirit. And I'm really trusting this afternoon that you just, your appetite to know him deepens because there is no end. When we ha- we in the person of the Holy Spirit, we have Jesus and we have the Father. Okay, He reveals Jesus. He reveals the Father. In the Holy Spirit, we have all three, the three in one. And so there is a never-ending discovery. And the word says that God hides things for us. In Proverbs, it says he hides things so that kings, so that royalty will find them, that we will discover them. He doesn't hide them from us. He hides them for us. And so there's this beautiful adventure of knowing the Holy Spirit more and more and more. And that is what I hope he stirs in our hearts this afternoon. So the Holy Spirit empowers and sustains our new creation selves. John 1 in the message is so beautiful. It says Christ came to to make us our true selves, our son and daughter of God selves. So there's a person in chair three, back to that analogy, that I will be empowered only by the Holy Spirit, not in my own self-effort. And he has come to make us that, work out that new creation self in us. If we go to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, are we not enfolded into him in heavenly places, unified with him through his blood? He has become an entirely new person. All that is related to the old order, all that is related to the old order has vanished. This gospel is an entirely new thing. Come on, that is an adventure, guys. It is an entirely new thing. We are not reformed or refurbished. Your old house didn't get renovated at salvation. Your old house was destroyed, including the foundations, and rebuilt. We are made completely new by our union with Christ and the indwelling of our Holy Spirit. That is our starting point. And it's something that we need to remind ourselves of over and over and over again. And that is the glory and beauty of meeting together in family and community because we forget and we go back to the old order and then we're stuck. And the Holy Spirit's like, no, learn to depend on me, learn to yield to me. So I love those words, um, yielding, dependence, surrender. Walking with the Holy Spirit is not only hearing his voice, and I'm going to speak a lot about hearing his voice because I, I, I love that. It's like the mysteries of, of the Father and Jesus are revealed in the Spirit. But it is actually a position of our heart. We yield and surrender. My mom said to me this week, I was just chatting to her about what it means to yield. And it's like a little tiny baby that is drinking from the mother yields towards that that mom and completely depends on the sustenance for her and nestles in. And that's what we need to do with the Holy Spirit, not independently walk around with our own things that he needs to bless. We need to be like a little baby and nestle in to the father, into the heart of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. It is a heart position. It is, it is yielding. It is leaning in. It is snuggling and not struggling. Chair three is actually struggling because our independence does not want that. And we're taught to be independent and fight for ourselves. It is learning to be childlike. It's the upside down kingdom. It's trust. It's faith. 
It's being childlike. So I'm going to give you a quick analogy. This, this might work for some of you, but the Holy Spirit spoken to me about dependence like this. Um, we, we tend to, especially in our Western mindsets, like to have a map for life. We're going to start at A, going to do very well and reach all our milestones when we're very little. Then we're going to go to a really great preschool, go through primary school. We need to get probably into a really amazing university, Harvard Cup in the in the, in the um, cupboard. Come on, guys, we're going to go there and then we're going to get a great job and then we're going to get married. And we like to map this map for success and we like it to be pretty certain. And generally we get stuck along the way, but we like to know what is happening from A, B, C and D. And the Holy Spirit said to me, actually, that's not how we live with him. We don't get to hold the map, be the traveler and ask him to bless the road that we're on. We are fellow travelers with the Holy Spirit and map makers. We don't get the map. We make the map as we walk with him. Okay? So the map that we're given is usually from knowledge, experience, learning, and, and hearing advice from men and women that have gone before us. And that's not bad. We can sketch a blueprint. But the point is not to rely on the map. The point is the guide that is with us and the individual original map for your life that you're sketching with him. And so the destination reaching A, B, and C is not as important as the journey. What you know is not as important as who you are. The Holy Spirit is far more concerned about who you are and who you are becoming as you walk with him. And as you walk, he's so committed for you to see the journey, enjoy the journey, see what he's shown you along the way and not just be concerned about the destination. It's a completely different way to walk. We are map makers and fellow travelers with our beautiful adventurer, the Holy Spirit. And so we sometimes just have to let that go, take that Harvard mug out the, out the cupboard. Just joking. And, um, <laughs> and actually learn to walk with him. Um, this Kirsten is an achiever, hey? So that's, that's, she knows these little comments are for her. Um, so the journey with the Holy Spirit is worth every step. It's like sometimes you get to the, the forest part of the journey and you actually can't see the path ahead. You know, I mean, he speaks to us prophetically. His voice is speaking. We, can't, we sketch a blueprint. We know sort of where we're going, but you lose the path. And he's like, don't worry. Let's, let's bushwhack through this section, through these trees. And look at the wildflowers. And look at the beautiful log with all the different colored moss growing on it. The journey, the fellowship, the friendship becomes so important. And that is why you get to love life. Because the destination isn't as important as the journey and who we are becoming. Partnership, participation, friendship, guidance with the Holy Spirit. So we position our hearts to yield and lean into life with the Spirit. And I want to speak about some practical aspects to friendship with the Holy Spirit. Number one, it is so important we know the nature of God, that we are rooted and established in who God really is. Okay? You are not going to lean into a God that you do not trust. You only lean into a good, faithful, kind, 
father. And so we need to get to a place, Melissa Halsa says this, when you know his nature, you won't question his motives. We need to live our daily lives absolutely convinced that God is good and kind and faithful in every way, even when our circumstances scream to us that it's the opposite. Rob and I have become absolutely committed to finding the goodness of God in the opposition. So when the fear comes and the anxiety comes or the worry comes, it becomes a red flag for us. And we know this is a significant moment. It's not a moment to get over. Oh, I feel so much fear. Tomorrow I'll feel better. It is a moment for eternity to be built in your heart. It is a moment to go, actually, right now I, I know that God is good, but I'm, I'm not trusting him. And actually to let our hearts shift and actually in that moment of contradiction to trust that he is good. So take those red flags and in that moment, ask him, Lord, I need to hear your voice right now. I need to know your perspective on this situation because if I don't, it looks like you're not here. I need to know where you are. And when he's silent, ask a friend. That's why we're in community because we need to establish and root ourselves is God is good. We are safe and we are loved all of the time. It needs to be a non-negotiable for us that we are rooted in the nature of God. Number two, our lives are not made up of sacred things and moments, for example, church and worship moments, and non-sacred things, work, kids, shopping, etc. Rob did a beautiful um, talk about two weeks ago about Brother Lawrence and finding the presence of God, the awareness of the Holy Spirit with us, whether we washing dishes, preparing the meal, doing, do you know what I loved? He did a job he hated. And I was like, wow, even in the moments where I'm doing something that I really don't like, I can experience the presence of God. And, he, and Rob was speaking about doing everything for the Lord and becoming aware of the presence of God in everything. My, I love the scripture from Matthew where it says, we seek first his kingdom and all these other things are added to us. Now, all the other things are the non-sacred things that we do every day, like work and making money and feeding the kids and doing the grocery shopping and cleaning the house. Those are all these things and all the stuff that we're striving for and we go after and all that will be added if we seek his kingdom. Does that mean go to church? It does because a whole life includes being part of a covenant family. It includes being part of a community where we are constantly encouraging walking together and um, reminding each other of God's goodness and hearing his voice and being on this adventure together. But it's not only church and ministry. His kingdom is about lordship. And in all of those things that we're trying to go after, he's like, no, seek first my kingdom, my lordship in everything, and then everything else will be added to you anyway. So are we seeking his lordship in our money? Is he lord over our money? Are we seeking his lordship, his kingdom in our marriage? Are we seeking his kingdom, his lordship in our family? It's a question of lordship. Who is the boss? of your money? Who is the boss of your marriage? Who is the boss of your family? Who is the boss of your work? Who's the boss of your diary? What's in your diary? Is he the Lord of that diary? Because we need to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying 
about every aspect of our life. That is seeking first the kingdom of God, his lordship in everything, and everything else that we worry will be added to us anyway. And so we don't want to separate the sacred and the non-sacred. Everything is sacred. Everything we do is sacred. And we need to find the lordship of Jesus in everything that we do. And so the Holy Spirit brings us the mind of Christ, the wisdom of Christ, and kingdom lenses to look at those aspects of our life. Do not think that anything is off the table and not sacred. Everything is important. And the Holy Spirit wants to guide you and give you the mind of Christ in those everyday moments. So we need to put everything on the table and be aware of hearing his voice, leaning in and being teachable on every subject in our lives. That is dependence on the Holy Spirit. Our farm family in North Carolina say, we say this all the time, you can see him in anything or you can miss him in everything. He is waiting to take lordship. And guys, I don't even know what our lives will look like when he begins to take lordship in every aspect. Even in your recreation time, what are you spending time doing in recreation? He wants to be Lord of that too. Your gym, your workout, your health, everything. Who is Lord of those things? We get what we expect. If we expect to hear God's voice only in the sacred moments on a Sunday when the music starts or in worship in your car or whatever, that's what you'll experience. But if you know that every single part of your life he's interested in, he's in, he's woven into, then we can begin to experience God at any time and in any moment. I've learned to lean into that and I'm, I'm learning to lean into the grace in moments, to, le to lean into his voice. Like even in a day, something comes up and I'm like, is there a grace? Is there a Holy Spirit pulling me into that? Do I need to make room for that? Do I need to make room for this person? There's a, a couple that just keep coming into our lives who are, are from years ago and I'm like, the Lord's on that. I need to follow that, that string, you know? So we need to learn to actually make room for his voice in every aspect of our life. So point number three, just as an extension of that, weaving your relationship with God into everything is key. It's key. Work, business, table time, morning coffees, gym workouts, Weaving our relationship with the Holy Spirit into all of those allows us to hear God's voice and be open for supernatural encounters. Most of the time, he probably wants to do something cool and we're just like, just like blinkered. And he, if we're expecting him to speak, if we're expecting to hear his voice and sense a nudging and just be sensitive to the friend, the Holy Spirit with us, we will see supernatural experiences. And it'll open doors for us to help and be kind to others. Most of the time, walking past people that just need love, that need to know they are seen, that might need a word from the Father, that might need a prayer. So let's weave our relationship with the Holy Spirit into everything that we do. Do you know who elevated the ordinary? Jesus. He elevated the ordinary. He came as a man. He was a carpenter. He was a son. He was a friend. He ate meals. He walked with people. He made a braai and he ministered and he prayed for the sick. He taught us that the everyday is sacred. 
and everything we do is important. He grew in maturity. He grew in intimacy with the Father through the Holy Spirit. He grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men. He taught us how to live and elevated our human experience. So we cannot get off the hook and say, only the ministry moments counted. Only a tenth of his life was ministry. And a tenth of your life is ministry. A tenth of your life is coming to church or home cell or worshiping. The rest is just as important. Let me just check my time. Okay, I'm going to move on. Number four, love is always the main thing. God so loved the world he gave his son. If you have any other agenda than love, it's the wrong one. Love is the main agenda, always. And I think we need to just look at our hearts. The Holy Spirit is drawing people. He's drawing humanity into the arms of a loving father. And as we walk with him, we're going to catch his heart. Um, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 is about the work of the Holy Spirit, how he works and spiritual gifts. In the middle, 1 Corinthians 13, the chapter on love. You cannot work in the gifts or the ministry of the Holy Spirit in a church corporate context or anywhere else without being firmly sandwiched, cemented, founded in love because nothing else actually counts at the end of the day. Isn't that huge? And you just love that. So we need to unpack more about the ministry of the Spirit. It's just so beautiful. Each one of us has a different emphasis. Each one of us has a different specific way of like hospitality or faith or healing. It's beautiful. And we function together as a body. We need to learn more about that. We want the Holy Spirit to manifest in our togetherness in an even bigger way. But let love always be the greatest agenda. And then number five, the Holy Spirit speaks in many different ways. I love the way the Holy Spirit speaks. The best way that I have learned to make it real and simple is with my kids because they've sometimes said, we don't hear him. Because we mostly expect that it's going to be a big audible voice or like a mystical angel or something really cool. Most of the time, it's a picture popping into your head. I remember one of my daughters was like, years ago, she was like, I see, I think it was a protea. I was like, that's a good start. What is, the, what is the Lord saying with that? He speaks in pictures popping into your mind. He speaks in thoughts and impressions. You know, sometimes when you know something and you don't know why you know it, but you just know it, go back to the simplicity of practicing hearing the language of the Spirit. It is so exciting. It's like finding, it's like being on a treasure hunt and discovering Him speaking in everyday life. So pictures, thoughts, impressions, Obviously, scriptures through the word, that still small voice. You know, you've got to practice that still small voice because it's not big and it's not booming most of the time. It's, I think I hear him. And then I think I hear him more. Keep a journal, record his voice. I, start, I read Bill Johnson's book, Dreaming with God in 2009. It changed my walk with him because it outlines these languages of the spirit. And I've just grown and grown and grown. And now in times of silence, where I'm like, he is not speaking. Rob's like, but you know what he's saying. I'm like, yes, I do. Because deep inside, I've learned that very, the way that he speaks. I've learned how he, those, those simple, quiet ways that he moves my heart and he guides me. Um, so practice that. If you feel like you want to hear his voice more, do some research and development. Do some risk taking. Um, we live by faith, so we need to risk, we need to try, we need to be humble, okay? That's why you're surrounded by people. Don't be like, I heard God, I'm 
moving to Antarctica, whatever. Be humble, be teachable, but risk and begin to really expect an answer from him. Um, he speaks through nighttime dreams. Give him your nighttime hours. Say, God, I, I want to hear you speak to me in dreams. He speaks in unusual circumstances. I'm going to quickly tell you this. On Tuesday, um, last week, a lot of you guys were here. There was an amazing disruption. The Holy Spirit was disrupting. He was like, I want to disrupt your daily patterns. I want to disrupt your lives and I want to blow in like a wild wind. Monday morning, the admin mountain crushed me. Like I was just overwhelmed. I was like, I'm not doing this. This is just, just the things to get done felt like the hugest task. And I was completely overwhelmed. Tuesday morning, I woke up and from our bedroom window, you can see the, we're on a bit of a slope, so you can see the tin roofs of the houses next to us. And generally, there's a bunch of pigeons sitting on the roof, sometimes a grey lurry if I'm really lucky, sometimes a barbet. But on Tuesday morning, I looked out, I was like, what is that bird? I said to Rob, what is that? It was like a juvenile martial eagle. I've never seen an eagle in the days that we have been here. I was like, okay, the Lord is speaking. And these crows were dive bombing it. There were two of them trying to get it out of the space. I hate crows. You know what a, what a group of crows is called? A murder of crows. And the Holy Spirit was like, the little things that are trying to overwhelm you will, will murder the things that I'm doing in your life. I want you to be like the eagle and I want you to take the higher ground. I want you to take the higher perspective. And I watched this eagle like just spread its huge wings and saw up and the crows were left behind and just unusual coincidences. I have learned to look for them. I look for them all the time. I'm like, okay, this is out of the ordinary. This is the Holy Spirit. And I wait for him to speak. Wait, try research and development. Be a traveler, be a map maker. Perfection is not the goal. Begin to become, okay? Stay humble and stay curious. Please stay curious. Life is full of adventure. The Holy Spirit is the greatest adventure of all. And yeah, he wants us to stay curious. There's a beautiful piece in Violence of Change that I'm going to read next time by Ian. We love Ian. <laughs> okay, because I'm running out of, out of time. When he's silent, sometimes he's silent. There's a reason because he's never silent, okay? But sometimes he's silent on the big things. He's never silent in his heart, never withholds his affection. When you feel like he's silent, he is not withholding his affection from you. He is whispering his love, but maybe he's silent on the big things. And there's generally two reasons. Number one, he doesn't want you to be independent. He wants you to be dependent and he has put you into community for connection. And sometimes you need to hear through others. And sometimes you need to open your life to hear through your brothers and sisters and your spiritual moms and dads and family. And he's put you in community for that reason. Okay. Also, the worship that happens here, the prophetic worship, the preachers, the things that happen in community are specific for our, our community. The Lord is speaking on a weekly basis to us on the topics that are happening to us. I promise you, I know what's happening. And he's speaking. And it's so beautiful because just down the road, he's emphasizing something different to a different family because we're walking together and we're meant for community and connection. And the second one is 
God is raising up confident sons and daughters who know how powerful their choice is. And sometimes the choice is yours. And he's giving you the power of the choice. And he's silent because he trusts you to make the right decision. And it is very scary when you go, Lord, what is your will? He's like, why don't you decide? Because you know me well enough and you know my heart and you carry the mind of Christ. Why don't you make the decision? And actually, he wants us to reach that place of maturity. So sometimes he's silent because he wants us to grow up and actually make kingdom decisions. Okay. So, yeah. I'm just going to end with this. I'm actually going to read this. Okay, this is by Ian. I'm coming back to this. I just feel like I, I need to read this. In dealing with the future, this is Ian quoting Toffler. He says, in dealing with the future, at least for the purposes at hand, it is more important to be imaginative and insightful than to be 100% right. Okay, when you're on this map, you want to be 100% right because you're scared. But when you are embraced by the Father, led by the Spirit, you're okay to take risks and live a life by faith, not by what is seen, by what is unseen. And we need to learn to give our minds and our imagination to the Holy Spirit. Error, even error has its uses. The maps of the world drawn by the medieval cartographers were so hopelessly inaccurate, so filled with factual error that the, list, that the condescending smiles today come out um, when almost the entire surface of the earth has been charted. So, you know, we studied in the 1600s how they made their maps. I mean, you just laugh at them now, right? They're just ridiculous because now we have this very accurate satellite map of the world. Yet the great explorers could never have discovered the new world without them, nor could the better, more accurate maps of today have been drawn until men, working with the limited evidence available to them, set down on paper their bold conceptions of a world they had never seen. The Lord is calling us to a world we have not yet seen. And that's very hard because you don't have this, but you've got the map maker with you. And you've got the guide and the fellow traveler. And he's calling us to a world where we'll see the kingdom of God expand like we have not seen yet. Fear of perfectionism stops us from moving ahead. We feel that we can't do things perfectly, so we do nothing at all. We've begun to become, we, we have to begin to become the future which God has called us to. Stephen Covey said, memory ties you to your past. Imagination points you to your future. I just want to say the Holy Spirit is in our future and he's prepared a way for us to go into that place and to know him and to bring the kingdom of God for a world that we haven't even seen yet. He's calling us into and it requires faith and it requires dependence and it requires surrender and leaning in to the Holy Spirit, to our good, good father, wanting again, stirring our hearts to hear his voice to know his language, to look for what he is doing and the adventure that is ahead of us. I'm just going to pray. Can we stand? Okay, do you want to just close your eyes? Um, there is the story that they tell, that Jonathan Helser tells about how they came up with the words cageless birds, which is their community.
And it's the story of an eagle. It's out of South Africa, actually. An eagle that has been held in captivity during a process of rehabilitation or since it was young and it was raised by people, but it gets strong and it gets healthy and it is now ready for release into the wild. And so they take it up to the beautiful Blyder River Canyon, those, that beautiful mountain range where God's window is. They take this eagle in a cage and they open the cage and the eagle stays. <laughs> the cage has become so familiar that the cage has become its home. And sometimes our, whether it's shame or fear of uncertainty or the risks we've taken that didn't work out before or disappointment or apathy, whatever it is, it's become our, our home. And then there's another eagle like a mate to the one that's in the cage. And it is up, suddenly appears in the sky and starts to call, that eagle call. And when the caged eagle hears that, it, it ventures out and it flies and it goes with its mate. And I just feel like that's what the Holy Spirit is doing this afternoon. As I've shared, he's stirring in our hearts. He's giving us the call of freedom to walk with him, to lean into him, to long for friendship and deepening friendship with him, to want to hear his voice and live this adventure that he's called us to live. And he's calling us out of that cage because he is our home, because he is safe. The father is safe. The cage is not safe. The father is the only one that is safe. The father is the only one that is home. And so he's calling us this evening to a recommitment to the adventure of life with the Spirit. To the adventure of friendship with the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 40 says, we'll all grow tired and weary. Even the young people want to stop, take a rest. They can stumble and fall. But those who wait on the Lord, wait is to hope, to trust, to entwine our hearts with him. Those who wait, who hope, who trust in the Lord will renew at their strength. They will rise on wings like eagles. They will catch the wind. So Holy Spirit, we just, just open your heart. And if you just want to lift your hands or you just want to get into a position of response to what the Holy Spirit is doing this afternoon. We want to soar, Holy Spirit. We want to catch the wind of what you're doing. We want to leave the cage of fear and uncertainty and disappointment. And we want to hear your voice. And we want to lean into you. And we want to say yes to the adventure of life with the Spirit. Life by the Spirit, empowered by you. So we hear that call of freedom. We hear that call of grace. We hear that call of adventure. And you have our yes. You have our surrender. You have our all. I pray even just for our imaginations. Holy Spirit, stir up our minds that we would imagine and dream of a world where you are Lord. A world that is changed by you. We just give you the space of our minds where anxiety and fear has made us stuck. 
God, I just pray now that your wind would blow through the corners of our minds. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website, thecollectivechurch.ca.za.